Dr. Sophie Messager, and this is the Wisdom Messenger podcast. In this show, I interview pioneers in women's health and personal development about groundbreaking concepts that help women reclaim lost knowledge and restore inner wisdom. By bridging insights from ancient traditions and modern research, we question stale cultural narratives and midwife a new paradigm around birth, life transitions, and women's autonomy. Join me as we delve into stories and studies that empower women to reconnect with their inner voice and live their truth. Tune in as we rediscover what it means to fully trust ourselves and shape our collective future. In this episode, I interview Amy Hamblin. Amy is a doula, doula trainer and energy lift healer who is fascinated by how bringing the body into deep peace facilitates healing. We discuss how we can reclaim our power and sovereignty on a spiritual and healing path. So welcome to this episode of the Wisdom Messenger and today I'm delighted to welcome Amy Hamblin and we are going to be talking about reclaiming your power and sovereignty as a healer and Amy is a doula, doula trainer and healer and I was wondering Amy if you might start by telling us a bit more extensive version about yourself, what you do and how you got into the whole healing world. Thank you, Sophie. It's so good to um, connect with you and your audience. Um, yeah, it's a, it's um, yeah. So, so that's a great start. So, how did I get into healing? Well, I was really blessed in that I incarnated into parents who probably were kind of into healing already mm. in in their own way. So, I think um, my mum is a psychotherapist. So kind of very much from that um, Western model of mind, but she started her training when I was a child. So I very much grew up with, in a, an environment which was very much around exact, the sort of life of self-examination. Um, and that was very nourishing for me in my, in my teens and twenties and I, and I, and then also, as and that's kind of another strand, um, my dad, I think, was always interested in different kinds of religions or, or kind of, he was a bit of a spiritual seeker. Um, and I think when I was, my mum was pregnant with me, my dad was having a little brief time, or I'm not sure how long it lasted, where he was exploring Sufism. Um, and so the reason why I'm called Amy is actually because of the teacher that he was working with at that time gave him um the the recommendation or the teaching that my name should begin with a that was so so there was something in the the family constellation that i kind of landed in that i think was good groundwork for um for this path that i found myself on and i was the only one of my siblings that went to catholic school so um my neither of my parents were catholic but i think there was something in me that really wanted to have an immersion in a in a spiritual context in my teenage years and um although part of my kind of teenage kind of coming of age was very much around what i didn't like about um the dogma of christianity or the dogma of um 
you know, many, many religions, you know, under what we might call the patriarchy, um, there was still, I think, a part of me that was very nourished to be in that environment. And then in my 20s, um, I found, so I, I, I had counselling, you know, sort of therapy in my 20s, but I also, I remember going to university and I had my first yoga class. And so this opens the door into um, what we might think of as like the Eastern spiritual paths, the Eastern philosophies, um, a, a different way of kind of connecting to the divine and through the body, really yoga through the body mm. as a way of connecting to that kind of spiritual essence in an embodied way. And it was a, it was like, it was such a powerful experience for me. Um, and and I guess in my 20s, I dibble dabbled a lot, you know, like I would go to a Buddhist um, meditation group, you know, sometimes I'd go clubbing at the weekend and kind of get high that way, you know, so it was a very, I guess, typical kind of 20s experience. Um, and I went in just before my dad died in 2004, I went to India and had a incredibly um powerful experience just being in that country and and kind of um going to different temples and understand it now to be an awakened experience but actually i had no context for that so mm. my experience of it was um i was crying a lot like all the time but like this joyful there was the kind of like five days i went to a temple and I felt my heart kind of just like expand beyond anything I'd experienced. I felt this immense joy and kind of sense of unity with the, with the land, with the earth, with all the other people. Um, and it lasted for about five days and it was really like kind of blew my mind really. Um, my dad died the later that year. And again, that was another really informative experience for me because I really, um saw you know I was blessed to be present with him when he passed and I, and it was clear to me that his something there was some part that was there in the body and then it wasn't there but it in the body but it it went somewhere else and so it was a very clear indication okay yes we are more than the body the body is in itself holy the body in and itself is um you know divine in in its form nature and there's this other part that is transcendent and um kind of ever present really and that that kind of really clarified a lot for me roll forward another few years i became a mum <laughs> had my birth of my daughter, which I would say was a pretty traumatic experience, very medicalized, but also very powerful, very spiritual, brought a lot of healing with it. Um, and after that, I guess that's when a few things came together. I started did my doula training. I started supporting other people. I've trained as a holistic massage practitioner um very connect you know really supporting people with that mind body connection 
and then as I started to work in this modality, I, I realized I could, I could see energy. I was like, oh, I can see this thing sometimes happening with some clients, not all, always. What is it? Like, how, how do I consciously, I don't, I don't, I don't, I know there is this dimension, but I don't have the tools really to engage with it in, in a conscious way, but I want to. And so I kind of put the intention out to the universe. You know, I want to teach you for this. Can I, can I ask you a bit more to clarify? Do you see it with your actual physical eyes? At that time, yes, that's what I was seeing. It wasn't an inner plane experience. It was, I would have the client on the bed. I would, and I would say I was at the head end. Um, and I would look down at the feet and I could see all this light around the feet or, you know, maybe I'm working on the feet and I see it around the head with my eyes open. Um, and it was definitely a, like a visual thing at that point. And I would say my clairvoyant or my clairs have changed um, throughout my studies and time of practicing. Um, but it was very, you know, it wasn't my imagination. You know, yeah, it no, wasn't I like something. But the reason why I'm asking is because I'm always fascinated, you know, that each healer, as I say, own different um, skills. So mine is entirely kinesthetic. So I spent mm. years trying to see, and then I realized one day, this is not the, my gift. Do you see what I mean? Yes, but, yes, yes. I always feel fascinated by people who have visual healing. Because you yes. know, when it's something that doesn't come naturally to you, it's like, um, wow, I wonder what that feels like. I'd fancy yeah, like, yeah. going inside your body to get an experience of, you know, like, um, right. I, I like, well, that must be really cool. So, yeah. Yeah, like it, it was. And, and, and as I was saying that sometimes I don't see anymore. You know, it's, so I think it's evolved and changed. And sometimes one part of my Claire experiences will turn up and another one will turn down. Mm -hmm. um, that's been my experience so far. Um, yeah, so that was the kind of call out for, okay, so I know there's a soul dimension. I have this and I've experienced what I would call the you know, a kind of awakening into the divine um, reality that kind of exists. And I know there's this energy dimension as well. And how, but our culture doesn't teach us about that. So how do I, how do I, I want to explore this more? So I kind of prayed or, you know, put my intention out, please, I want to teach it. And in 2013, I'm, I met my teacher who I've studied with ever since. Um, and her name is Shakti Durga and her primary kind of modality of teaching is a, is called Ignite Your Spirit Therapy, which is what I currently primarily use with my clients. Um, and just to say a little bit about that, but I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about it in, in depth is, so yes, I think she, she helps her students to discover what are their intuitive languages and it can be different for everyone and it can change over time and so she helps either as the as the reciprocant of the of the healing or as the practitioner of the healing 
that really you're tuning in to these other so you, the physical body our mind and emotions the soul the the energetic part of us our own soul and our own kind of higher guidance and then also this connection into that kind of universal quality of of love that mm. is kind of what i would consider to be the underpinning of the universe <laughs> and all of creation so that's kind of that's her that's what she's helping her students with that's what her healing modality helps us with and then i guess a bit more in practical terms what that looks like is maybe i work with a client either one-to-one -one or in a group and we would do like a kind of um almost like a meditative process together where i as a facilitator would kind of help to tune in to what the energy body is saying in that moment either of the group or of the individual and then through a process of um, using the breath using intention visualization imagination um and also using release commands so using the voice um to move energy so to 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 kind of clean and clear the energy body the chakras and then to bring in more of this kind of um, unconditionally loving energy to kind of fill us back up um and that the result of that being that as we as we because i guess my understanding is that our energy body and our chakras is are kind of like our interface with the rest of reality mm -hmm. and so when we um make changes into our energy we make changes in our lived experience mm -hmm. that's my experience personally and also the work i do with clients so that's my kind of in a nutshell yeah. healer story lovely I, I hope that is good yeah. uh, and it lands well yes uh, so I, I think stories are important you know just talking I've done this training I've done this training is not as powerful as telling what led you there and how if you see what I mean mm. and so I you know I know you talk um, about bringing you know what is hidden into the light of our consciousness and sort of shadow work and I just wonder if you um, could tell us more about what, you know, what's effective shadow work and how someone who is new to this might be able to get started. Yeah, wow. We're going straight in, right, with the, uh, the big questions. <laughs> I don't like to faff around going, like, let's go lightly into this topic. Yeah, no, it's great. Someone so... does it, I want to just say before we get more into that research, um, and I think it's, it's important to demystify it, but I know that uh, as a culture, we tend to, as a Western culture, we tend to only want to see the good in people, yes. in, in the sense that running away from the bad, and I do quotation marks with my fingers, yeah. because it's like um, in our culture, your culture only wants to see us when we are smiley and pleasant and shiny and in that is permeates in everything and so there's so much of like boring like in parenting we see it in the past we see it in parenting education you know this idea that you don't want to see the child when they're having a tantrum or you see that's so pervasive yeah. and i think 
yeah this generation is doing a better job on average but i think that the generation we come it's from more work. it was yeah. so pushed down like that basically yeah. when when you're being unpleasant as a child i want you to go away like literally go to yes. your room kind of stuff you know yeah so burying the emotions inside means that well there's a lot of us walking around having integrated this idea that i'm only lovable if i'm being if i'm good yeah the good girl yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally see that and I'm 100% with you and yeah, the the good girl or the good boy kind of um, burden in a way is, is a really, I think it's really like a big seam in our culture, as you say, and, and it kind of links to perfectionism, right? And I think it also links to um we could look back in our collective european history say and and a lot i think of this comes from the model that god is up here and we are down here and we have to strive to be to kind of get to god and it's very much this um and there's a there's um you know a lot of the there's a lot of teaching around um we're inherently sinful right yeah and this we started of that i was brought up as a catholic so yeah. like, i rejected all that in my teens yeah I, I every time i get a chance to be re-immersed in that because i go to a wedding or a christening or something i'm like oh god it's not moved yeah on. all is still it can this, feel like finger waving God, you know, um, how much yeah. am I supposed to be full of, in, in, you know, goodness if we are constantly being told? It's, it's basically a culture that's trying to make you improve by telling you what you're doing wrong. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And um, we see that like with our own inner self-critic, our own inner, inner voice of self-criticism. And a lot of the way like we may have been parented in terms of like it's driven from an, a kind of anxiety. I see it even when these patterns pop up in the way I parent myself, it is coming from essentially like an anxiety or a fear of of not being received, not being accepted, not being safe. And therefore we need to like um, prune ourselves into being a kind of acceptable shape to be loved and valued and i guess the then it may have been that for some part of our collective consciousness and evolution that was useful i mean have you heard this expression it's kind of blew my mind the first time i heard it so heard it and my shakti daga said it to a group of us that um evil is the good we outgrew which i think is like mind-blowing right so we if ever evil is the good we outgrew so tell me more because i'm not sure i fully understand what that means and i think this is like a really powerful thing with the shadow right so if in in our experience of life everything ev everything in, in creation i'm going to use that word but maybe everything in life has is not there's nothing inherently good or inherently evil outright 
everything can be useful everything can be useful in the right time in the right proportion in the right place for example anger mm. out of control can be violent destructive oppressive etc in the right amount at the right time it's an incredible force for mm. um for you know personal boundaries and um safety etc so um there's so going back to the shadow like shadow good and what is good what is bad well from a place of understanding that as a human as an individual i'm on an evolutionary journey of consciousness myself and as a collective humans have been and are and so it may have been that in some point in our european history that um being told off for doing something wrong might have you know being okay being told you're going to go to hell if you steal yeah maybe at some point in human history that was a useful teaching but for many of us now yeah that is not a useful teaching we've outgrown that yeah we don't need to be told don't steal or don't you know because actually our consciousness is at a level where we don't want to do that right for most people i'm not saying for everyone in the world right but probably for for most of the people listening to this podcast that's probably where they are right so and in my own personal life i can look back at ways that i acted unconsciously in the past that now i can think that was not skillful that was it you know that but it was the best that i could do at that in that moment at that time right and and so i the the remedy for that for me the healing for that has always been how do i love that how do i bring love into that situation or in the current time into my current situation my current experience how can i love that part of me that one that is acting in an unconscious way or coming from fear or coming from pain coming from you know like um could be for me um a fear of not being loved abandoned and not accepted um how do i bring love into that part which i would call bringing it into consciousness bringing it into light bringing it into being held which is essentially shadow work yeah hold that in my own heart of my own being and then through that love i can i can kind of go forward which is very different right to what you and we can do that with yeah, our children, like, right? you know the, the idea that just popped into my head is i have a friend who was a monk in india for three years and we, we often have very deep, deep, deep conversation about spirituality. And we both share this kind of, we joke about it saying, be enlightened now, you know, like yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. hitting yourself yeah. up through enlightenment. Yeah. Right. And this kind of yeah. judgment that comes thinking I should be ahead, I should be further. And the, the work, yes. the work is indeed one of self-kindness. The work is one of self-acceptance of your journey and what's happening now and that you're exactly where you should be and 
and treating that growth and not like as you say when you look at your past and you think oh i was mm. not you know very enlightened then but the judging that as well is not part of the thing you know you can't just right. like some people said oh i used to be an asshole you know it's not it's not very you know like so yeah, I'm completely on board with what you're talking about, being holding with kindness and love the process that you're trying to grow um, rather than like, yeah. th there can be so much judgment there, you know, in, in every level, not just the spiritual, but you know, like the, I should be, and, and anything that's yeah. like we should, I should be more like this, more like that, I should yes. be having all my shit sorted out. And yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, and I think a lot of with the work that I do with parents kind of beyond the beyond the birth period or the postnatal period, often I'm meeting these people when their children are kind of be, uh, three years old onwards, is the part of when that we're often meeting um, shadow parts of ourselves in relationship to the to our own children because that's often where we we received the wounding of that well if you're going to cry about that go and yeah, cry yeah. in the other room or if you're angry about that and so i'm fine with with my this is my own personal experience and the work i help some parents with as well is how do we um how do we with the shoulds you know as a parent i shouldn't lose my temper with my child yeah i shouldn't you know i should i should why am i why am i losing my shit i you know i should be able to be calm i should be able like to this be... idea what i call the madonna mother when i became a mother i very quickly noticed and i noticed that i still have some remnants of that although it's much better but this idea of the ideal mother would never lose her shit is always kind of compassionate like that doesn't like who does that like you know that, that does, right. just doesn't exist but this image is so strong right the, i yes. think again the product of a lot of patriarchy because what's seen as the ideal mother or the ideal woman is usually somebody who's completely self-effacing self-giving always in a nurturing role always perfect again perfectionism and right bring as you say bringing that into consciousness i think like I completely agree with you. I think children come and they, they are gurus in the place that hurts the most. I don't know if you've read The Conscious Parent by Dr. Shri. Oh, I can't remember how to pronounce the name. I, don't know I think I should. But the, 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 title. the book is full of stories of just to give one example. This is, you know, alpha parent get a child who's got learning disabilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's perfect. Like that. And I, I listened to this book a few years ago, and I've re-listened to it through, you know, some of the mm. challenge I've been going through my children myself, and it's really mm. fascinating because I really think the biggest teachers are our kids. So yes, yeah. And I you can either go agree. with growth, or you can go with what I see sadly a lot of parents do, which is resort to the do as you're told you know and and beyond that i've also got the theory that the toddler toddlerhood and the terrible tools god i hate that expression and the same way our culture dis describe teenagers are being i think it's just a product of um a culture that just wants kids to be obedient and 
And of course, yes. then they either fall into the category of doing what they're told, which causes probably more harm than the other category falls into the rebellion. And I've seen mm. most of that. I see so much of that in yes. extreme parenting in, you know, both the UK and France. And actually it's worse in France. Um, mm. I'm flabbergasted because it's like treating kids like the enemy. Mm, yes, very sad, very sad. And and I think, yeah, for me, at least it's like when, when I'm noticing my ch ch child, my daughter, like, is, you know, poking me in a sore part, <laughs> you know, I'm having some kind of reaction, is the time really to go in and really kind of, there's, often I find that around that thing with the should, and the guilt, underneath that, is often a shame and then underneath that is often an experience that we had when we were that child or we displayed that kind of behavior or we felt that kind of thing and there's a kind of parcel of energy there that once we you know in a therapeutic setting we can love that like work in bringing that some kind of healing balm and allow the energy to move again it really starts freeing up um the person to you know be more spacious with their yeah. child for example that this is what i found but it's definitely it's not um you know the healing journey is definitely not um you know sometimes you make big leaps yeah and it's like wow a lot of the time it's like repetition and a lot of practice of um self-care and daily yeah. daily kind of coming back to self and a lot of times it can feel like you're going backwards but and i think I, with I mean, that you know one of the myths i also very aware of is that I know I had that and I still have some of it in some level and I see that in other people of if I find the right healing modality I'd become enlightened and I never have any problems anymore right yeah, yeah? In yes. a, I can yes. become yes. always happy never happy, yeah. you know and again it's also with that the idea of handing over that to someone else to another system do you see what I mean like if I find the right modality, all my shit will be or fixed. Or teacher, or yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. or thing yes. outside of myself. Yeah, yeah. And expectations with that, you know, people go to um, healings or um, trainings with when anyone goes to that thing with that kind of expectation, then mm. it's usually a very big disappointment. And um, yes. Because as you said, big leaps are usually small, like tiny little repetition for years. And then only six years later, you can see, oh, yeah, you know, it's actually yeah. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And I suppose I, you know, with that thing of, um, you know, if we're in a body, if we're incarnated, then life will bring us things to challenge us, right? It, that's and I guess we can think about it as um or is um kind of like um empowerment weight training if you like yeah. you know so like rather than like I thought I, I thought I dealt with this 
I thought, I, why, why is this happening to me? I thought that I had like it's doing this spiraling, and you're yeah. like, oh god, I thought that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I sorted that one out. What's going on? Yeah. yeah, that we can, we can, um, and I think this is linked to the shadow work thing, or the it. It's again, it's like, how do I use this experience? How do I you? How can how can I rather than feel victimized by this experience or this person or what's happening to me? How do I how do I use it for um, my own kind of if you like spiritual weightlifting or my own empowerment weightlifting or how do I take this experience and bring my kind of most loving self into this experience yeah. and get the most juice out of it yeah. um it doesn't you know i think we can all have little moments of like poor me and why is this happening you know yeah. and some some experiences definitely involve a longer period of time of like sitting in the grief of something yeah and um but i think that thing that we were talking about earlier before <laughs> we started recording of um you know, like our personal power um, and this flip of, you know, it, it's a bit like, I guess you could think about it in terms of, um, from a psychological point of view, I was talking to a, another client and colleague who is a psychotherapist and we're talking about the individuation process from, you know, as a baby and toddler, we kind of are separating from the parent. Um, we we no longer see ourselves as, um, you know, one with the parent and mother. And we go, life takes us on this kind of individuating journey. Um, and sometimes when there's been an interruption in that, or it's been, there's been a rupture that's not, that's been difficult and has been unhealed we can hold this part of self that is the kind of that wounded bit of child who then is constantly looking this part of self constantly looking for the the teacher or in a birth con context the obstetrician or even the doula who is going to kind of save us mm. um and so um in terms of like healing as being part of how we reclaim our power i think it's often about going back into like really scooping up that inner child part of self that was maybe two or maybe seven or maybe you know and and kind of saying oh it, you know okay i've got you now and um in this current situation where i'm feeling disempowered or um, victimized or poor me how how when I hold you when I when I anchor more of this divine love and presence into my being and body you know how do we move forward to it together mm. um that I think that's that's kind of the 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 practical application in a way of what you're how, talking how about is works. an integration yes other than a rejection of the part you know what i'm hearing you right say is just almost like reclaiming it's yes. yourself that got like stuck rejected harmed you know like, and not like because like what you were describing with you know when kids push our buttons 
telling yourself, well, I shouldn't get angry, is never addressing what's actually causing the button pressing. And it's really quite fascinating what comes out of mm. when we start, especially rearing small children. Um, and I was thinking it's also made harder by the fact that we live in a, um, you know, nuclear family society. Yeah, that's right. Because um, I loved what you were saying before about the importance of community with this. Um, and the difference, I guess, between having loving, supporting community. There's something about um, the difference between that and like giving our power away to an authority. Um, and it, it doesn't mean it, that you're doing it alone because here's a flip side of that because you know we know that empowerment lies in your own growth and your own ability to do things for yourself and not somebody else but it's if other far angle of that is the independent at all cost that is the result of a trauma response you know this never relying yes. on anyone yes to, that's right ever wanting to feel bad feelings is the um basically unable to feel emotions but also being really distant and uh, as yeah. i was saying there was always because often when you discuss these things with people they go oh you mean you should never do that or you should and it's not like that because it could easily be interpreted oh this it comes with inside of you should be always doing it on your own i don't think we can heal on our own no um i think we need somebody else to uphold the space for that healing but the healing happens inside the healing doesn't happen yes. the story i told my kids when they were little because i thought oh my god i didn't take it to this idea was you know when you crazed your knee the other day who made the scab the doctor and so yeah it's, but the doctor provided some space that you know allowed to yeah safe and the bandage you know it's like it's, the bandage is not doing the or the plaster is not doing the healing um, yes, your body is, but yeah. well, and to feel safe, you need to be held by community, and to grow, you need to be held by community. And um, yes, again, another very clear thing in our culture is a lack of that, a lack of belonging. To um, you know, that is not normal, especially in big cities. When I lived in Paris, I remember thinking, wow, you know, it's the loneliest I've ever felt was living in a big city where nobody knew anybody. You didn't know mm. your neighbors. You know, the, the biggest the place, the, the bigger the city, the least people tend to know each other. Although I see a movement towards reclaiming that that's happening mm. quite a few years. And, but yeah, it, it's the power of healing for me, it, it's, more powerful in community leading so yeah. you know, leading a healing in a community space is more powerful than leading a healing just yourself one-to-one -one with mm. although you know they both have their space but um mm -hmm. i'd like to go you know talking about you i know you mentioned this um vibration scale by david hawkins and mm. can you tell us more about that and how we can become more aware of it and shift that and can you describe the the, the scale because it's not something i I kind of heard about people mentioning similar things, but I didn't know who was the, um, all, the, the I, I like to say inventor, because I'm sure there's lots of other people who've talked about skills. Sure. Like Can you describe yeah, it for um, us? Yes, yeah, so it's, um, I, from what I understand, he did some experiments. I, I'm always 
I wonder, you know, from a scientific methodology point of view, like how how this these experiments would be considered within within um, you know they may be picked apart slightly um, within a kind of uh, scientific methodology. But he used kinesiology, yeah, um, like muscle testing, um, to and he gave kind of um, number ratings for for these different states of being, which shame I think is one of the lowest. Anger is higher on the scale. There's a bit more action. You can kind of see there's a bit more. And right at the top, you've got states of bliss, um, unity, um, and then kind of, I guess, um, you've got kind of love in the middle, peace, kind of, a little, you know, around this kind of area. And he he said in his book that he um, that most of humanity is living at this at quite a low vibration at the moment, at the vibration of like shame and blame, yeah. which is a very kind of victim consciousness um, level of vibration. And of course, as people, we're moving up and down this vibrational scale all the time, all the time. So it's more to do with what's your general resting vibration doing. Yeah. I like that. What's your I also want average? to say, immediately what springs to mind is, you know, keep your vibration high, Brigitte. Yeah. <laughs> and when we're yeah, talking yeah, about like, ah! work, I'm like, oh, you know, like uh, allergy yeah. to that because it's gaslighting yourself. Um, right. And, you know, when you're in your diversion, so this year I got diagnosed with ADHD, and one of the things I've become really aware of is that my emotion scale is huge. So the joy, I feel very high. Yeah. And the, the not not good emotion, I also feel very low. Like my husband, who um, is not diagnosed, but I now know he's autistic, his emotion is more like, well, yeah. there's a little bit of things, but it's a lot more constrained. Yeah. And I, I was saying to my therapist, I don't, wouldn't swap, wouldn't swap. mine for yes. his because I yes. like the lows, but I love the fact that when I get excited about yeah. something, when I get joyful about something, it's really, really big. But yeah, do, yes, do, the capacity is there. I think it's very important to say that if we're aiming at, I like what you said about aiming at a resting place. Um, yeah, an average. It's like would be like an average. It's not average. like you're trying to pretend you're going to be up there all the time. In bliss all the time. Yeah. No. And, and I beat yourself up love... when you're not. Yeah, yeah. No, I exactly. And what I really loved was, so I, I found out about this through my... Shakti Durga teaches it in one of her courses, and that's how I found out about it a few years back. Um, and more recently, a couple of years ago, um, I started doing some work really with a with a psychotherapist called Miranda Fairhall, who 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 does a, a beautiful container called a tune for connection, with, which is really to help parents with trauma. And she introduced me to polyvagal theory and. Um, and there's a there's a beautiful marriage there between the hierarchy that is talked about in polyvagal theory um, and the vibrational scale. Um, and I think they work. It, it's a lovely kind of combination of way of kind of understanding because it, it's it for me at least it's helped me not do what you're talking about which is like oh I should always be at least at peace you know or at least yeah. you know and I, I you know like. Yeah. 
I, you know, exactly this, this thing. So when I've kind of integrated it a bit with this um, nervous system understanding that with our nervous systems, it's not that we're, we're, we're really getting embodied and really understanding that, yes, my nervous system is going to, because it's, it's that my human part of self is my survival part of self. It's a really important part of self. And it's going to, it's always scanning the environment for threat. Mm. If I have trauma, I'm going to be, there's maybe some wiring in that, that maybe is going to see things as threatening that were threatening when I was five, but actually now I'm 47. I actually I'm completely differently resourced and therefore it's not threatening so this is where the healing comes in but to go back to the vibrational scale and the nervous system polyvagal theory we have um a state of what the dorsal vagal state which would be in an in a healthy way is when you're feeling like it's kind of quite you're coming right down on the ladder of states of being it can be quite you know it's what helps us to kind of fall asleep or um you know rest it also if it's in a more survival state it is in that collapse or freeze state um which is appropriate sometimes you know that is an appropriate survival response in some situations we then we come up the ladder into into the parasympathetic which is the fight or flight state um and we have to get we have to on a daily basis if we've gone if we've collapsed into freeze if something procrastination for example isn't is a you know i noticed myself doing it yesterday i did a you know i was a bit nervous about something i noticed i'm like um kind of sitting there like doing scrolling or yeah, not yeah, doing yeah. the thing you know oh okay I've gone into a bit of a shutdown I need to bring myself up on the ladder into an quite active state yeah. which could is more like this um like foot on the accelerator yeah. in a healthy way that's going to help me to like write the email that I've been I need yeah. to write if it's in a more survival state it's going to let me run away or yeah, it's yeah. going to cause me to be like say no or yeah. you know act in that way and then above that we've got the um the ventral vagal state which is the um where we're open to connection where mm. we feel safe where we're in that kind of socially available state and all of that's happening on a biological level and all of that's happening every day all the time as we move up and down yeah and through our he- healing work that could be you know n- many different ways we might go about that whatever kind of suits us we're just getting better if you at moving up and down and we're healing the traumas that may have caused us to um be super reactive in a situation which perhaps doesn't need we don't we don't need to be shouting at the man on the road yeah. who's just cut in front of us or we don't need to be shouting at our child because um they're not putting their wellies on quick enough you know that you know this 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 is where the healing part happens or you know a situation 
which in the past it might have been appropriate for us to kind of go into collapse now through doing healing work we don't need to stay in that kind of collapsed state but it's yeah. all about kind of building capacity in the nervous system to, so, to have those movements yeah i mean i think here the key because yeah, the it key. ties onto what we were talking about the key is noticing yes because i think most people the, 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 i like the light the traffic light system you know notice you're in mm. amber before you're going to red so you can re-regulate i think the key is re-regulation always um but i'm curious about um the key is noticing the dysregulation so you can do something about it yeah it runs away with you but i'm just curious about your in your approach in your work do you go from the energetic angle into the like do you start from the energy into the nervous system oh, or good question to the really nervous system and then because you know chicken and egg situation here you know and right? both, for me it's not, not either or they're both integrated yes each other and both affect no agree. like you throw a dart on the dartboard if you hit something that's going to soothe the nervous system i believe it's going to affect the energetic system and vice versa correct yeah i 100 agree and i think it really depends on the client and it really depends on what's happening in that session and even like what's an appropriate what is appropriate language to use so as a session with a client it could it, it is I, I don't know i'm trying to use your dartboard but um, i'm like is it different darts i'm not sure or, yeah i'm um, just we're trying to hit there so um so but I want to answer that a bit more clearly. There are tools and techniques that I've used myself from a nervous system point of view around becoming more embodied and more noticing. Um, for example, a, one that I find really useful is just orienting safety in a room. You know, and it's just a simple thing of like looking around a room. Um, and noticing right now actually i'm safe what you know if my mind's spinning out about something actually like in this moment there's i'm safe right now um that can be a useful thing to do with clients as well for example um before we go into maybe a experience in the past that may bring some dysregulation so we i'm always with the clients helping to create that safe container so that we can kind of bring into the light of consciousness and love whatever needs to kind of be looked at um and and sometimes it will be more through that the energetic tool and sometimes it's just a mixture of both yeah. at the same time it really it really kind of depends but yeah for me they are super like they almost just sit on top of each other as yeah models yeah, yeah. and i also wanted to ask you because you talked um you know in the discussion we had prior to this podcast you were mentioning something about cutting things to restore power and i'd like you because i'm also aware we probably we need to wrap it up soon I'd, I know we could talk about this for a lot longer, but um, that, that's something that sounded very 
it's helpful. Yeah, very interesting to me because I think again that's not something that's taught to you know yes. Yeah, how you can energetically carry stuff that's not yours and I mean I'm not gonna put words in your mouth. I'd like to hear your tell to people yeah. how they can do that. Yeah. That's it. So if we're all energetic beings, um and along with trees and you know everything really has a, is has an energetic frequency and our mind is also kind of um part of this energetic creation t tool if you like our conscious mind sometimes if we're feeling particularly kind of um in a victim place or victimized by a certain experience or person or you know we're talking about kind of feeling empowered what we might have been doing without realizing it is creating these energetic cords between us and the situation at the level of vibration that we perceive it to be or between us and the other person or people in the situation and we get kind of stuck in these loops like in our mind and then you know also our body's going to be reacting to that either feeling very agitated or completely mm. collapsed energetically there are these cords that go out to the situation which it kind of like exists energetically in our consciousness and and is also being held by other people in the consciousness so events can hold an energetic signature or frequency um and have an energy body if you like yeah um and so the practice and we could do it together now if you want to the practice would be to we would because what we want to do is cut the cords at the vibration that they're currently being held in anxiety in despair in hopelessness and then what we want to do is we want to reclaim all of our energy for ourselves reinvest it back into the present moment it could be something that happened in the past or in the future um, we want to bring it back into the present, into our energy body now, into our, into our, into the presence of our, of this moment and our body. And then we want to, so that's the first step. And then if we want to kind of in, pull in as much energy that we can from this, from source, yeah. from, um, the part of self that is always unconditionally loving and is connected to our higher consciousness and our wisdom we want to pull in as much energy that we can from that and and kind of and hold that in our body and then send love to the person or situation from a kind of non-attached place yeah and kind of ask that the highest outcome come Mm. we might not know what that is yeah like our conscious mind maybe has no clue what that that could be you know and I've seen it with birth clients a lot I would do this practice with them around um cutting cords of attachment around expectations around the birth they could be positive or negative mm. you know but actually what does the what does your soul what does this baby soul really want from this birth experience how can we let go of what our of of our expectation around that and really be open to what is the highest most you know beneficial experience for 
the mum, the birthing person, the baby, the family. Um, that's a slightly tangent uh, example, but it's the yeah, same yeah. principle, right? It's the same principle because, um, and that practice for me, game changer. Like I do it regularly with, especially with the people I love and I'm closest to, yeah. because they're the ones I'm often the most frequently creating these little cords of attachment, which are sort of setting, sets our relationship into like stuck patterns. Yeah. My child, my partner, my ex-partner, you know, yeah. <laughs> often I'm doing that a lot with them. Or if I'm going through a really big thing, maybe daily practice of cutting. So we use an arm gesture. Yeah. So it's a somatically felt experience as well as this oh. using the breath and using the uh, intention and the visualization. And it feels really good. And mm. um, how does that sound? Yeah, yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I like the explanation you give because it demystifies that, you know, often when we're talking about energetics and spiritual stuff, people think it, like you need to be um having special skills to do it you know like uh, mm. you know I, I run drum circles i ran one last night and when i teach people how to cleanse each other energetically before we start the circle i said you don't need to have you know special powers everybody can do this is about intention you know you just yesterday we cleanse each other using sound because there were people in the space that were uncomfortable with smoke so mm, mm. teach people how to use rattles around people's mm. always remind people that we're all magical we all have that yeah because again when you talk yeah, about yeah. cold cutting people go oh it's a special skill that i don't have and i don't know how to do that and it takes a special person with special training and you know what yes. you describe here is utterly simple is intention is everything and you just visualize yes. um and i like the yes. fact that you said you had a somatic element to yes, it yes we have a little arm movement yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and 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 I, it, you don't even have to be able to visualize because I know some people some people don't be no, on the inside of their yeah. mind and often say see, see, visualize, feel, or intent that blah 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 is happening. This because, is happening. Yeah, if you tell and people visualize and they're not the visualizing kind, it's just going to generate a lot of frustration. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I think um, even when people are not visualizing, then it's still working. It, they still experience a benefit, and um, yeah, I think it's a it's a great um, tool that I use a lot for myself and with clients too. Lovely. Mm. I think we're probably going to need to wrap this up, Amy. Um, thank you very much for sharing your wisdom and your experience today. I've just wanted to finish to say, where can people find you if they'd like to uh, find out more about your work and this particular thank practice? Uh, yes, yeah, so um, I'm on Instagram at Amy Hamblin. I think it's Amy underscore Hamblin underscore healing. I will put a link under, the, under this podcast. Yes. Yeah. And I work with clients. So I work, work um, one to one. Um, I have different, um, like for, for parents, I have a, way, a six month program, one to one working with parents. I, I work remotely with pregnant people as well. Um, 
and I also offer kind of uh, mentoring so like I guess it's more of a an ongoing um a container mm -hmm. annual container with less frequent sessions but for people who are on a spiritual path I, um and they maybe have already some practices but they they want to connect in um for that's another sacred mentoring practice that i have and also a container for birth workers specifically over the winter well, that will start again in november so these are these are the ways you can work with me at the moment lovely thank you again amy thank you sophie so good to chat <laughs>